Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Happy World Sexual Health Month. September is one of my favorite months of the year. I love celebrating sexual health. I get to have some really fun conversations with people during this month. And that included today's conversation with the founder of Safe in Harm's Way, Caroline Markle Hammond. Safe in Harm's Way is an organization that connects people who are currently in an abusive or unsafe situation to the resources that can help them stay safe in the meantime, even if, as the organization's name notes it, you're currently in harm's way. Let me tell you right now, you may have seen in the show notes, trigger warning for sexual and emotional abuse. I do think this is an important conversation to have during Sexual Health Month because there are far too many people out there, especially in this society, who have experienced abuse and trauma when it comes to sex and relationships. Part of what we discussed, in fact, was to normalize having conversations about the experiences that we have had. Far too many people acknowledge that sexual abuse happens as, you know, like to to children or, or we think about the stories of date rape or someone jumping out of the bushes and attacking you or breaking into your home. But we sometimes don't stop to realize that abuse can be happening in committed monogamous relationships. Sexual abuse can look like some of the things that Caroline describes in this episode. Things like having an affair and giving your partner an STI, committing to monogamy yet cheating left and right, withholding sex for frivolous things, or using sex and pregnancy to control someone. Yes, a lot of our conversation is challenging to listen to for some people, but it wasn't all just about the things that her organization helps people with. We also talked about you know, what a healthy relationship looks like. And of course we talked about sex. Caroline was all too happy to talk about some of the things that she experiences as a woman in her 50s. Something else she thinks we should normalize is talking about what our bodies go through as we age and change. We need to keep having conversations with our friends about what we're experiencing and what we do that works for us and what's not working so well for us. And use our hive mind. You know, again, with the lack of sex education in this country, your friends and loved ones could be the best possible sources of information when it comes to helping you with your sex issues. Unless you're going to turn to a coach like me. And hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, it's helping you with some things that you've experienced. But we've all got some lovely resources around us in the form of our friends and loved ones too that can help us through some of those things. So yeah, let's normalize talking about some shit that's going on in our sex lives. A little bit of news, updates from me. My next workshop on September 30th. All my workshops are the last Thursday of the month. This one's going to be about understanding your sexual health. And for the first time, I'm going to throw out a special 
discount for the listeners of Keep Them Coming. If you'd like to attend my workshop, you can go to any of my social media platforms and click the link in my bio or go to Facebook. There will be an event. You can also go to Eventbrite and simply search for me, Kristen Thomas, and you'll find my events on there. Follow on there. All of my events are hosted on Eventbrite. You can also join my email newsletter to stay up to date on when I've got workshops coming up. But your discount code is KTC10. So KTC10 will get you 10% off my September workshop, Understanding Your Sexual Health. As always, please like, subscribe, share, do all the things. Find me on socials. Share my shit if you would. I appreciate it. I appreciate all my listeners so much. And my clients, y'all are wonderful. Thank you all so much. You're the reason I do this. If you have any questions or comments, concerns, anything, email me, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. All right. Enjoy this interview with Caroline from Safe in Harm's Way. Well, on this episode, I'm joined by a fellow Kansas City activist and lovely all-around lady, Caroline Merkel-Hammond. So thanks so much for coming to Keep Them Coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this day for a really long time now. Oh, I, you know, it's funny when we finally started messaging on Facebook, you're like, fangirling and I was like oh but I, I, I'm a fan of yours <laughs> I love that that was awesome because you know you have to be vulnerable to say uh can I just say I love everything about you and then you hear back can I just say I love what you're doing it's you know it was a beautiful little first meeting it was a good first date as yeah. far as friendship yeah yeah absolutely so you founded safe in harm's way which I've heard about for a little while so give me and the listeners the rundown about what your organization does. Sure. So Safe in Harm's Way is an online avenue for people who are navigating toxicity abuse, um, and relationship abuse. So we are not a 24-7 brick and mortar, but we are designed so that anyone around the world, and we have gone international, has the ability to recognize the feelings that go along with their relationship so that they can properly seek the resources so that they can live a life that's filled with less sadness, less worry, less lies, less pain, less abuse. Because we know that people navigating abuse are not gonna identify that, even if hiding the bruises from home when they show up in the world every day. But if we can talk about the feelings that are associated with their relationships, then they can seek the right resources. So our platform has 15 volunteers. I'm not the only one doing this gig. Mm -hmm. And they operate within their zone of genius to bring all the different mechanisms of healing, all the different ideas around healing um, to the table so that people can find what they need. And I will say, when we have a focus on the LGBTQ plus community, mm -hmm. we have focus on men because and people of color because we know that some more marginalized folks have a harder time speaking up. Statistically, we know that. And, mm -hmm. and probably you can add on to whatever statistics are published and know there's even more. But I also want to call out that when I tell my story or if I talk about it, I do use the female pronoun because it's my story. But I will say that we know that that abuse happens to men, to women, to people who are gender fluid. And so we respect all of that and bring the content for everything on safe and harm's way to people who are navigating that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. You are 100% correct that marginalized communities, the more things you add on to that, the least likely you are to get sort of mainstream help, meaning the police might not be helpful right. in your community or your neighborhood. Um, you might not feel safe speaking to anyone because you're the only person of your color or your gender identity, or you know, there's a lot of mitigating factors for yes. people when you start adding on marginalized identities um, yes. that reduce their safety and exactly. reduce their ability to get support and help. So, yep. yeah. Uh, and we want everybody to find their story and then find how to heal from it. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you been around? So uh, it originated in March of 2016 when I escaped from my own abusive relationship after about almost eight years. And I started to write as a way to heal. And I took all that writing and it started to be able to be published and put out into the world. And we officially started as an organization in 2018. And now here we are in 2021 and Safe and Harm's Way just won four national awards in all of North America. We're the only organization in all of North America. So including Canada, um, Puerto Rico, and that won four national awards from domesticshelters.org. And uh, we're pretty proud of that. We're pretty proud. And the cool thing about Kansas City, I'll give a little shout out, but there are three organizations in the Kansas City area that were part of that North American list. And Mm -hmm. one of them is New House Shelters Mm -hmm. and the other is Janice Campaign. And Janice Campaign is out of Lawrence, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar with Janice Campaign. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one of the least talked about aspects of abuse is sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So I don't really help people with the healing from the trauma aspect. I usually grab people after that. Mm-hmm. But I am curious for those that may be listening and have experienced sexual abuse or trauma in their past and are recognizing, wow, okay, I maybe I thought I was over this, but it's manifesting in different ways or I never quite got past this or it is maybe something recent. I mean, where, where do people even start with that, with Safe and Harm's Way? What, what resources are there for people? That's a great question. We're pretty sneaky about how we deliver our resources because we know that anybody at any time can be looking over a shoulder. Yeah. So yeah. we put some benign things, we put memes, we put inspirational quotes, but within the comments of everything we do are the links and the resources for any particular kind of abuse. We also then house that content into photo albums on Facebook, which seems, you know, pretty simple. But then all anybody has to do is look at our photo albums and say, oh, I need to know about sexual abuse. Oh, I need to know about narcissistic abuse. And everything's housed in those photo albums. So they don't have to search with our goal being if anyone is experiencing trauma, your brain wires differently and we have to make it very easy to achieve. The aspect of sexual abuse as it relates to the overall domestic violence equation is something that is my biggest passion. And it's something that, you know, I, let's see if you go March of 2016 till now, however many years that is, I have not talked about fully yet. Because if I were to have led with what happened to me, people would have tuned me out and not listened to all the rest it's that egregious and it's that common 
So we want to make sure what we're doing now in anticipation of this fall is we're doing a whole campaign around sexual awareness, um, sexual health, so that people can recognize themselves in abuse. I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking with a group of women about um, physical abuse in, in their relationships. And I mentioned that a component of physical abuse also falls into the category of sexual coercion. So if someone is presenting themselves to be a heterosexual monogamous human and you choose to have unprotected sex with them, mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they're having sex with anything that has an orifice, that is physical abuse and a part of sexual abuse within yes. the marriage. And the light bulbs that go off when I give talks and presentations, whether it's on Zoom or in person, to that concept, it, it's a relief. It's a light bulb of shock. And then it's a relief for people to say, oh, wow, I've been living that. When you put it that way, it's it really reframes it well beyond the idea of cheating. Right. You know, cheating, it lies somewhere in betrayal. It lies some, which not to say everything that you just mentioned isn't betrayal. But what I'm saying right. is there's something sort of different about saying, oh, well, he cheated versus what I was promised was that my sexual health would be protected and honored. And what I signed up for was monogamy with this person. And they betrayed that to a point where I'm at risk. Yes. yes. And your sexual health is of the utmost importance. Agreed. And I think that that is also part of sexual liberation is that we get to choose who we have sex with. We get to decide how that sex happens. We can revoke consent at any time. And that we can have agreements with our partner or partners that protect their health and safety. Exactly. And in abuse, that does not happen. Correct. And it is because it is so shame filled, people very rarely raise their hands to say, not only did I endure this, but I endured this for years. Mm -hmm. Not only did I endure this, but he also made me have sex with his best friend while he watched. Not only did I do this, you know, those kinds of components. No one wants to raise their hand, and that shame just builds until it eats people out mm -hmm. from the inside of their soul to permeate every component of their life. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we talk about it. We want to make sure that we have those conversations around all the things you just said and the ability to put into the proper context. You know, I, I am fortunate in that in every medical test, I, I am sexually healthy, right? Given what my abuser was doing for eight years, I am lucky. Mm. I am lucky beyond means. And I would be a complete asshole if I did not call out and recognize that there are men and women and people who are not as lucky as me, who then have to, for the remainder of their lives, put their head around the fact that they're now carrying sexually transmitted diseases at the cost of what they thought was a monogamous relationship. Yeah. That's uncool. And it yeah. makes me livid. Yeah. So we're going to get the tools for folks to, to have resources, but first and foremost, we're going to give them the tools so they know they are not alone in the world on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 
their fault, like the scenario you just mentioned. And it's also not the end of the world that they do have an STI. And it's, it's sort of just being able to take that higher view, you know, how, how can you help that person pull themselves back and go, this was through no fault of your own. Yes, there is stigma out there, but there are other people like you. And it takes all of us sort of having these conversations, like you say, raising awareness and helping them know that they are not the only people out there who have experienced this and helping them let go of some of the pain and the trauma associated with that choice being taken away from them and their health being put at risk. Yep. Um, right now, HIV and AIDS is something that I think is still considered a gay person's disease, mm-hmm. but I hope people are increasingly starting to recognize and understand that this is just a human disease. It is. It is transmitted through risky behaviors, be it sexual or drug behaviors. And there's a lot of people out there mm-hmm. who are not gay, who are participating right. in those risky behaviors. Yes. So, um, but the good news is there's lots of wonderful treatments out there. And there's um, more on the horizon. Absolutely. And- oh, did you see the news that through the yes. research from the COVID vaccine, Moderna is going to start human trials for their HIV I think it's vaccine. Amazing. I think the it gets strides. Amazing. Oh, I just got goosebumps. The strides. I did I, too. I participate in AIDS walk for the, uh, well, only for the last two years, but I participate in it now and always forever will. <laughs> but right. um, there's a lot of talk about U equals U as well, meaning if it is an undetectable viral load, it is untransmittable. You cannot right. give it to your partner. Um, but I actually had an HIV scare a couple of years ago. I've talked about it on my show before. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out it was because I'd had so many vaccines from overseas travel. It okay. just overloaded my system and created a false positive. Unless yes. I did a different test, it was fine but I learned a lot during that time and they really consider it to just be a long-term manageable illness it's no longer a death sentence right right but it's there's in that case as you're referring to still the pain of you thought you signed up for something and that's not what you got exactly exactly and it just all the layers that go into that. And, and I'm glad that you brought up that trial. I actually had a little moment and gave, you know, I was, I just started to cry. I thought for all those people, for anyone who can take advantage of these trials, this is life-changing. And it's another step in the direction of, you know, look what we're dealing with, with now with the virus, right? And we have the coronavirus and it's mutating. You know, if you talk about a sexually, um, an STI, you know, and if you look at HPV and, um, you know, the human papillomavirus, which can cause, you know, penile cancer, it can cause cervical mm-hmm. cancer, it can cause throat cancer, cancer in your mouth and your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like 200 something of them. I used to sell that. I spent five years selling vaccines. I think vaccines are the coolest thing ever. And some of them cause cancer, some of them don't. And it used to be that I spent a lot of time calling on OBGYNs and it was all hands on deck for that, right? Mm, for Gardasil. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that Gardasil came along. And now that they also learned though, your body takes care of that. Your body usually takes care of those viruses. And if you think about herpes and HSV1 and HSV2, and you look at those 
conditions and the shame that's attached to them when the reality is it's a skin condition mm-hmm. it's a skin condition you know when I started <laughs> yep when I started doing all this homework because I was afraid after what I discovered and you know having unprotected sex for eight years with a man who who had sex with both men and women and lots of it with strangers that he didn't even know so I I dived in I mean I am a I am a data geek. So I will go down a rabbit hole and talk to my way into infectious disease doctors and have them explain things to me and um, told them what I was doing. And I still keep in contact all with them. Or they'll send me an email. They're like, you are a rock star right now. Like, when you get to this point, would you please talk about these things? Would you please talk about the fact that there should be no shame in that, that you need to be, you need to be proactive i mean you need to to ensure but the reality is it's a skin disease that's easily managed it's not a big deal and unless you're a virgin and you are having sex with only another virgin you probably got something floating around already in your body so even then there's well also i have tried to shift my vernacular and not use the term virginity i say if you've not made your sexual debut oh i do like that yeah so everyone always seems to like that one so yes most people who've not made their sexual debut and are also then with someone who's not made their sexual debut are pretty well gonna be okay you probably just need to use protection to prevent pregnancy. pregnancy but there are families who pass oral herpes around, you know, families that have cold sores because it's just so yep. easily transmittable. Yep. You know, mom licks a kid's spoon and then kid licks that spoon, whatever, you know, it stuff is. happens. It's, That's actually exactly. what happened with my first husband's family. They had cold sores and my husband gave me a cold sore within the first year of dating. <laughs> <sighs> just on my lip, but it was just, yeah. it's more of, I'm thinking about like the pain and then the stigma too. Right. It, but never right. had any other issues beyond that. And you know, I've actually told clients, you are less likely to get an STI from someone that has a diagnosis than you are from someone who doesn't go get tested. Right. Like, People who say that they are clean, they aren't getting tested. Right. Because that's not a medical term. Right. People who are being tested consistently get your results were negative. Your tests were clear. Yep. Yep. Things like that. So if they ever say clean, (laughs) they have not had a test recently. Anyway, but yes, I love talking about reducing shame and stigma around STIs and things like that. So I think it's so important. And, you know, one of the things that you said, you know, about when you're making these choices is, is so key because you have to understand that in relationships and with viruses and things coming up, if you're in a relationship and something happens, it doesn't necessarily mean that the partner you're currently with gave that to you. Mm-hmm. You could have had it housed in your body and not known it. Yeah. And to your second point about having a scare, the vaccines, the amount of false positives are astounding in those tests. Mm-hmm. And it can, you know, HSV for, for herpes can come back positive and it can be picking up on when you had the chicken pox when you were a little kid. You know, these are these because they're all in the same family. Damn. Uh, Maybe that's yeah. what happened to me because the three the, three years later, like, oh no, you're, you're fine. I'm like wait what yeah yeah so it can it can oh um, man I was so mad at that dude for a hot minute 
<laughs> it would be chill. Uh, but yeah, yeah oh, I know that pain, I, sister. Yeah. I <laughs> but I have, but I have learned since it was actually my last OBGYN visit at KU Med. The gal was younger. She was like, "Hey." Well, since you're a clinical sexologist, let's talk about this because there's all this new research about HPV. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it can be in your system a lot longer than we realize that it pretty much just like comes and goes. Yep. Um, you know, even if my positive test was on this date at this, you know, pap smear, I could have actually had it for like three or four years. Yes. When she said that, I was like, so I was really pissed at that dude for no reason. Well, it, it, because before that, this. it would have just been my partner, my long-term right. partner. Right. And think about that for, I mean, think about relationships that are destroyed over those, those results. Mm -hmm. When the reality is it's floating around your body. Gardasil just upped their, their age. Um, mm -hmm. You can, you can get a Gardasil shot, even if you've had um, a positive pap or HPV. There's a lot of P's in that. I want to make yeah. sure pronouncing <laughs> positive pep for the HPV. <laughs> um, you you can get the Gardasil shot up to age 50 with the expectation that it would keep an outbreak from happening. Okay. I need to go talk to my OB. Thank you for that. See, yeah. Even I, I don't have all the knowledge and all the answers that you're talking about constantly researching things and going down rabbit holes. I swear half of my bookmarks on my inner, my um, browser are all research. It's all just research. It's not even articles. What the hell? It's not even articles. I go to original source. Got to go to source documents. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so even though I'm 52, my OBGYN and I made together, she's a few years older than me. And she said, I, I got it. I went ahead and got it. Even though it's your, I'm, I'm out of the age range of what it was indicated for. She's like, but we know what it does. And who knows? My husband may die and I want to maybe want to get frisky for the remainder of my life. You know? Yeah. And I said, sign me up, give me, you know, <laughs> put me in the, in the queue. Let's get this going. So, there you, go. you know, there's all kinds of ways to help mitigate it. And there's all kinds of knowledge to say, there's a beauty that you said it perfectly. You're, you're like, well, what? I was mad at that guy. There's a beauty in it and there's a release in it to know. And there's a little bit of what? I thought I was clear for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> so, you know, all of these things are, are part of the equation that go into a, a good, in my mind, a good, healthy sex life and how you choose in your relationships and how you choose in your partners. Absolutely. I agree. Let's take a quick break. And when we pick up afterwards, I would love to talk, of course, more about sex. Uh, <laughs> but I want to talk about reframing and how sexual abuse survivors work through that process of having intimate touch not be associated with some of the experiences that they've had. So let's take a break. Sounds good. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. So again, as I was sort of alluding to, by the way, welcome back from the break. <laughs> as I was alluding to at the beginning that I don't really help people get through trauma that they have experienced from physical sexual abuse. They kind of need to go work through some things and talk to some folks before they get to me. For people to recover from sexual abuse and trauma, 
it's critical that they learn how to reframe things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, in BDSM, you know, to be tied up, you know, that feeling of having your wrist bound may be something that happened during your assault or during your abusive relationship. And it's either the avoid it or reframe it mm-hmm. sort of avenue. But there's so many things that I think that can happen when you're in a healthy sexual relationship that can suddenly, if you've not dealt with things, can suddenly trigger stuff. Exactly. So what do you think is really important for people to consider when they are trying to reclaim their sexuality after this sort of abuse or trauma? In, in the people, and I want to choose my words carefully because I know that people can be traumatized by, by the words of someone else or someone else's story. Mm. And so I want to, I really want to choose carefully in how I answer that. And I do want to also put the classification of, I, I can use my own experience and I can use the experiences of others without naming names, but the best people are the people that you need to reach out to first, which are folks like Moxa in mm. Kansas City. Um, people that in regular therapy and someone who specializes in trauma and sexual trauma. And the reason I lead with that is because that is what everyone must lead with. Mm. I, I rarely, I have never come across a person who had a good outcome when they just jumped back into a sexual relationship because I'm just going to plow through this and get over it. It, it doesn't work. Mm. And so that is frustrating, I think, for people who are trying to navigate it because there's an element of, I got to live with this for the rest of my life. Is this how I'm going to be for the rest of my life? Um, when the reality is, and, and there are people who don't subscribe to this, the reality is, the answer is yes. 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 Yeah. And I find gratitude and beauty in that because it means that I am above the earth, not below it. And in so many abusive situations, I could have been easily killed. Anybody could have easily been killed. So the, the fact that you are alive and breathing and you get to do the work is amazing. People need to know, too, that a domestic violence shelter doesn't just house people. You can take advantage of their resources mm-hmm. without living there. Mm-hmm. So you can get yeah, like counseling. Mm-hmm. You can get all this. You can get the specialized services that you need and not have to live at a shelter in order to receive them. Mm-hmm. The best resource that I can offer for that is domesticshelters.org. Now, domesticshelters.org is a, is a nationwide organization, and it's beautiful because you we were in the process at Safe and Harm's Way of building it, and then I found them, and I thought, oh, oh we don't got to build it now. Yeah, don't have to reinvent plug in, Yeah, you plug in your zip code, and they will tell you every available resource in your zip code. Nice. So all you don't even have to know what question to ask or, or identify what you're doing. When you plug in the zip code, it'll give you everything. And you can say, oh, okay, I need that one. And wow. pursue that one. It's a fabulous organization. And we refer for those specifics to them because, of course, zip code based is local. And if you're dealing with abuse anyway and you have to navigate the court system or law, you need the local municipality to help you navigate that because laws are different from county to county. Um, so you have to go local to get that. It's a beautiful resource. So you, you have to do that work. And I find I, my coping mechanism is not toxic positivity, but it is gratitude for the journey, Mm -hmm. even in the most desperate points of that journey, because again, I am getting to heal myself. 
just had a conversation with someone and and a very dear friend of mine and she's walking through some stuff. I said, you know what you're doing right now? You are in your best pair of high heels and you were walking through four inches of mud and sand and gunk. And it's hard because you're in heels and it's hard because there's a lot of gunk and you're going to have to clean yourself off and you're going to have to change shoes. And most often you're probably going to have to buy another pair of shoes. And it looks to be about a mile long in the journey. Mm-hmm. But guarantee you, if you walk in your heels through that mud, even if it's a mile, you come out the other side, you wash your feet off, you buy a new pair of shoes and you have a whole new outlook on what you just went through. And you get to earn skills that for the rest of your life, when something comes up, you have the tools to handle it. Yes. Yes. So if anyone thinks that this is easy peasy and I can jump back in and it's all going to be good, it is not. That's why I tell my story. That's why I talk about it. That's why I want people to hear you're not alone. And even if you only recognize yourself in part of my story, that starts one foot through the dirt and the mud on the mile long walk. Yeah. 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 I so love I what think, you said about that. And that I agreed with you that yes, this is something you'll deal with forever. And I, I think that what people don't recognize is that goes for pretty much anything Yes, that <laughs> is big and heavy and affects you hard. Like alcoholics, they are going to deal with their alcoholism the rest of their life. Drug addicts, right. we easily accept that those two people those two categories are going to deal with that thing the rest of their life. But I used to work at Jenny Craig and I heard that from clients all the time. Like, is this just something that I'm going to have to deal with forever? I'm like, yes, but I mean, to think of it as a negative, I mean, that's, that's heavy to think Mm -hmm. of that as you are dealing with it. And it's like, no, this is going to be a part of who you are are right. is a daily choice to wake up and just be okay with the experiences that you've had and what you've got in front of you and be conscientious of being present yeah i am a big fan of the power of now i have clients read that book all the time i try to live that way and that book, ADHD, I so being present is really easy sometimes it, it, you know what, but that's the thing you have to be, I read that book and there's certain parts of that book for me that are tabbed that I read weekly. So, you know, and every time I think oh, I do it again, and then I think, no, reframe it. It should be, I get to do this again, because yes. the beauty of life, when you choose to invest in healing from whatever it is that you've endured, you gain so much about yourself. And you feel like such a badass. And then on the days when you want to just lie in bed, you also have learned to sit in that emotion. You know, I used to take, when I first started this journey and first started my escape, I would, I would, it it was an evolution. (laughs) There were times my kids couldn't get me out of the bathtub. You know, I couldn't soak off the stench of him. Mm -hmm. Um, There were, I wanted all my clothes thrown away. If he had touched me or looked at me in anything, it went to the dumpster. I had friends who, who said, oh, we are, we were loading them in the car. We're going to throw them in the dumpster and then went and had them dry clean and stored them in my, in their own closets until six months later when I was like, I don't have any clothes. And they're like, well, we hope you're not mad at us, but we cleaned everything and we've been storing it, you know? So you do evolve to the place where 
where you can start to integrate the parts that maybe remind you of something. And you can eventually get out of the bathtub after refilling it and emptying it and refilling it, emptying it with hot water for three hours. And then you can just take a regular bath. But you have to do that work with the smart people who know how to help you navigate it. And you have to continue to do it. And the beauty of it is when you think, oh, I have to do this forever. It's because no one else is talking about it. So if we start to all talk about the things we've endured with the courage vulnerability one-two punch, then we have everybody feeling less alone in the world and everybody understanding my, what I'm navigating could be completely different from yours, but sister, brother, we're going to navigate it together, you know, and that is a beauty that does not happen unless you speak about it. One of the things that we have at, and at Safe and Harm's Way is we share survivor stories. We have a very brave soul that talks about her, her abuse from her stepfather growing up, her sexual abuse. And how big and bold. We, we had another survivor who, who talks about um, her neighbor who sexually abused her and how, how odd it is as a child, because if you think about it, being touched in the parts that are meant to give you pleasure in a way that wasn't that you didn't understand mm -hmm. until you got older that that wasn't appropriate that then all of a sudden you layer in shame on that experience when the reality is if you think about the physicality of where you were being touched if that felt good it's because your body was designed to feel good yes. that was nothing of your that was nothing of your doing it didn't make you complicit in it it didn't make you it didn't mean you wanted it. it yes it's your body was designed that way turns out mm -hmm. and if you can navigate through that and navigate and to your point reframe the experiences then then you get to do that for the rest of your life um and i i think that's the biggest part is to talk about it and know you're not alone there is not a, in the five plus years I've been doing this, there is not a speech I have given. There is not a, a, a podcast that I've had. There is not any interaction with another human where I talk about the multifacets of my story that I don't get the most amazing humans you would never know come up and tell me their story. Mm -hmm. So when you think you're alone and you're looking at someone, you're thinking, surely she or he has got their act together. They don't the most wonderful people you would ever know. And aren't we all wonderful in our own ways? But yes, I'm talking yeah. about, you know, like people that are doctors, lawyers, well-established, fabulous souls, writers, communicators, all have had something happen to them. And that can be egregious and make you want to crawl in a hole and not get out. Or I can say, I'm going to do my own part to change the world for everybody else who doesn't have someone to speak up yet mm -hmm. until they do. Yeah. You get better or you get bitter. Yes. Yes. And I think part of that getting better is the talking about it. It is the sharing your experience and helping other people not feel so alone and remove that taboo. Exactly. Time. And it may be, you know, I want to put a big old asterisk and fireworks and a marching band around this thought is that you could choose to speak to someone and they dismiss you or they demean you. Mm -hmm. They're not your tribe. 
You don't stop there. You find the next person to talk to. So if you, you to choose to use your voice and it's not met with what you need, it doesn't mean you stop speaking. It means you find the next person or the next person or the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, find someone who'll listen. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing with therapy. You know, it might take three or four therapists to decide you find, you know, the one oh, that you, yeah. you love. You don't stop trying. I tell that to people all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other service that maybe it takes you three or four dry cleaners before you find the one that yes. really gets your stuff clean and you like their service and their prices. Maybe it takes you two or three car washes before you find the place that's, you know, by your house, works well, gets it clean every time. Maybe you find you have to go through three or four dentists before you find someone that doesn't poke and prod you and exactly. give you a headache when you're done. Everything requires looking for the person that you like, that gives you the best service that you want. And therapists are no different. Exactly. So many people think, oh, well, I went to a therapist and they sucked. So all therapists suck. I'm like, no, no, they <laughs> no, don't. <I> don't. <laughs> yes, there are some therapists out there that suck. I know this. Trust me, my, my best friend is in school. I will leave the school nameless. But some of the stories she tells me about some of her classmates and a couple of the classmates that I've met, I'm like, oh, boo-boo, you should not be going into the profession until at least you deal with some things. Right. <laughs> but then I've met plenty of others. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you are going to make the best therapist. I'm so glad you're doing this. Exactly. Exactly. So she's one of them. She's one of those. And I'm like, you need to be a therapist. We're actually trying to convince another friend, although it's, you know, time and money. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in the meantime, a lot of us end up being therapists and coach to our friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I am curious. I always say that I'm so curious. I'm always curious about everything. <laughs> Approach everything from a place of curiosity. But let's talk about sex and sexual concerns mm-hmm. that you have coached and supported some of your friends or what are some of the things that you and your friends are commiserating about or looking for help with these that's a great question i'm 52 years old and you know at this age a lot of women are worried about vaginal dryness you know they're hitting menopause how do they handle that it's altering their sex life you know and my my counsel to them is to keep having conversations with your partner you know, to say, hey, this is what's going on with my body. We're going to have to try more lubricant. We're going to have to try something that that helps me um, in this endeavor. And I always, you know, it's been it's been part of my routine since I, I started having sex. And it comes, I think, naturally to me from a firstborn, very organized, very data-driven geek of, okay, well, if I wanted to play softball really well, I have to show up at the game for 45 minutes beforehand and practice. Yeah. So if I'm, if I know I'm going to be, you know, intimate with somebody and we've got a date plan, I'm thinking about that all day long. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. That's its own form of lubrication right there. That exactly. getting your, your fire stoked through the day, fantasizing about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like put on put the best fantasy loop in your head all day long. And how much fun is that gonna be? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, find yourself working, then find yourself thinking, God, I can't wait for tonight. Yeah. You know, do do the things in your head to mentally prepare your body because your brain is attached to everything. Your brain, much like being present, keeps you from 
you know, looking at the past and stewing on it, it keeps you from worrying about the future. When you're being present in your sexuality, your brain really believes you're being touched and having sex. Your brain is your biggest sex organ. Yes. Yes. There actually have been studies that have shown that your imagination of something occurring, like being touched on your genitals, stimulates your brain the same way as actual touching. Yes. And isn't that, isn't that fabulous? Like if you want to, if you're worried about vaginal dryness, then don't be all day. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. All right. Am I going to, is it going to be dry? Is it going to be awkward? No, spend a day thinking about yourself Mm -hmm. and your partner and how you want to touch each other and what you want to achieve. And your brain just takes care of so many things. Oh my gosh. Two episodes ago, I got to interview. Well, and I don't know how I'm going to, where this will air, but episode 96 was about closing the orgasm gap. And I got to interview the CEO of Promescent, which has a ton of products that are wonderful for sexual health and wellness. Uh, Not only do they have their Climax Control Spray, which can slow men down, he talked about, and I have tried this, (laughs) how he had someone write in and say that she puts a little bit of their buzzing gel or warming gel. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the warming gel, a little bit of the warming gel on her clit throughout Uh the day, even while she's at work at the office, because it just gives her that little bit of like tingle with something extra special. And she's like, it's like, I've been having foreplay all day long. So like, there's also things like that that you can use. Yes. Promescent warming gels with one of their arousal gels. I can also give you a discount code, or if you listen to the episode, you can uh, go to the show notes. Anyone listening now, if you go to show notes (laughs) on that one and click on the link for Promescent and then use the the discount code. Yeah. You won't, you won't be sorry. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, how your body responds, you know, there have been moments with with girlfriends that even how they were able to orgasm changed mm-hmm. so it, yes it, it became, hey i'm no longer having you know orgasm from you penetrating me and, and statistically there's not a lot who do you probably oh, know no, that. yeah it's only 20 to 25 percent of us yeah. will orgasm from exclusively just thrusting right right so you know when that changes or heck even if you're not in menopause and you realize i'm one of the 75 ish percent that aren't achieving an orgasm that way then use toys or use yourself or use his hands or to to change positions yes all of those Mm -hmm. things it doesn't have to be one way and isn't it wonderful if you've reached a certain age that you can explore further the possibilities of how your body can enjoy pleasure it doesn't have to be a fear-based i'm going to have to stop because my body is changing it should be what the hell can we do next because my body is changing how can we adapt yes right it's all about adaptation Look, yes. I'll tell this story for the listeners because I think it's important. Uh, so my my parents actually called me a couple days ago after his my dad's phone just I guess randomly turned on in his pocket. Uh-huh. And it turned on to my episode with the CEO Promescent. So he left me a voicemail saying, "So we listened to your episode and uh, we have some questions." <laughs> so I called, and awesome. you know, even even for them, people who have been using lubricant, I mean. I'm a fucking sex coach. I have no problem. I'm not trying to out my parents talking about this stuff, but I grew up with many aspects of healthy examples Mm -hmm. 
that helped me with my sexual health. I never really saw lube as a problem because I knew there was lube in the house. Right. Um, but they were having issues with what they had. So I walked them through all the things like there's so much variety out there and there's very little education around this stuff. So what are we doing? We're relying upon our friends yep. <laughs> to tell us things like, oh, well, yeah, you should just be using lube. And I got to ask, how many times have you had a friend go like, oh, lube, but I, oh, I don't know about that. A lot. Mm-hmm. They were either worried about what judgment from their partners, mm-hmm. right? Or thinking like, no, there's just something wrong with me. I just need to fix something. And then, then I'll be wet and wild and ready to go again. No. Yeah, no. I, I mean, and my own body has, has, well, first of all, let me contact, uh, let me comment. Uh, kick-ass cool that your parents had that conversation with you. I know, I right? love it. I thanked them. I'm like, I know this probably wasn't easy. My mom was like, uh, no. It's like, but I appreciate <laughs> that you were willing to trust me and my expertise it. to help you with this. I do that with my kids. I'm like, you know, they're my daughter and, and her fiance and, and they were going out and I, and I've said it to all of my children and I have three and they each have significant others for around, around for a while. And I'll say, enjoy your body. Like every inch of it, you know what, go home, have naked Thursday night and just like touch each other everywhere. <laughs> my yes. daughter's fiance will say, Pleasure session. thank you to your mom for this. Like how, what's the appropriate response? It's like, thank mom? you. Is it thank you? I don't know what it is. So, but I want them be to like Mrs. Themselves. Fokker. Do it. Be like Mrs. Fokker and just be a little. I'm gonna be that lady that I don't have kids, but I'm gonna be that lady that's like just horny all the time and like, come on, kids, go home and have some some good sex. Exactly. Enjoy each other's bodies. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you should be too. Do do it. Exactly. I mean, that's the part of, again, talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I also want them to know that if they have a question, I'm willing to answer it. And I'm not, I always say whether with it's a partner that I'm currently with or with it's, it's, uh, you know, friends, there is nothing that scares me. There ain't a conversation that scares me. So there isn't That's why we're going to be wonderful friends. Exactly. Exactly. So let's do it, right? Let's talk about it. You know, Um, you're hitting on something there that's, I think, really important is that you are not trying to create some sort of a wall or a barrier that prevents your kids from seeing you as a sexual being. Yes. And I think that is so important because so many parents try to shut that off and like, my kid doesn't need to know anything about that. However, I make the argument that you are doing your kids a disservice when you do that because the message you are then sending to them is that once you're married and you've got kids your sex life is over right you know we then start creating generations of people who think my parents don't procreate they only did to procreate they don't have sex for fun and then as they get older they get the message that yeah it's not okay for me to have sex for fun exactly exactly and then when we don't talk to kids about sex that's when they go out and participate in risky sexual behaviors yes yes yeah so kids when kids get info from their parents just throwing it out there for everybody and you to reinforce you're doing the right thing when kids get sexual health factual sexual health information from their parents but specifically from their mothers they will delay pregnancy and they will increase their chances of having healthy sexual outcomes, healthy outcomes, you know, just overall, they make better health choices. Health choices. 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So yeah, that's, that's you did the I, right thing, even if it's yeah. a little awkward at times. It makes it really awkward. And there, there would be times in a car that they'd say, can we not talk about sex in the car? I'm like, you can't escape. <laughs> we're driving right. someplace captive audience <laughs> so here we go uh, um yeah. you know that's the, those are the things I think that are so important is I want them to know of I don't want them to know the intimate details but I want them right. to know my enjoyment of sex I want them to know that's a key part of it and they've heard it dozens of times I've, I've talked about it a lot is you know I I think sex is the most fun thing to do hell yeah I mean, it's hell like yeah. all the taste and all the yummy skin and all the oh just let me at it and it's the most fun thing to do why would you not want to do it a lot right yeah. you know why would you not so you know to have those kinds of conversations so they feel comfortable with their own sexuality Mm-hmm. I want them to have that for a lifetime. I want them to be, I, I want to like the, a story of my death to be that I died naked, tangled up, you know, death! and they walked in like, oh my God, we found grandma naked in bed and we think she was trying to have sex. I want them to be able to laugh about it. I want them yeah. to think that it's the most funny thing. And in fact, in my mind, isn't that the most perfect way to go? For real, Matthew and I have joked that that's the way we want to go in our 90s. That like our tickers just couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Although the amount of sex we have, we're going to have uh, very healthy hearts for a very long time. That's a good thing because it's a great (laughs) form of exercise, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Although I miss the gym. Currently, it's my only form of cardio, but (laughs) it's consistent cardio. That's That's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Yes, and I think that's important for for families and for kids um, to know that because you're right. I think a lot of people look at that as you know you're you're not a sexual person after a certain age, and mm-hmm. I just think I just think that's bullshit. I think if it you frame is it, bullshit, you should be having sex until the day you die, unless your heart is not healthy enough for exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. Even if it's sex with yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have, so I have a pacemaker and, um, and you know, it records everything. I didn't realize the extent to which it records everything until I had a follow-up and I had a little bit of an issue when I was having sex with someone uh-huh. that I could feel my heart racing and it was, oh, you could, and it mm-hmm. felt like my pacemaker was trying to claw its way out of my skin. Mm-hmm. And, and so all I said was, um, like sometimes I, I don't know. I feel like my heart races and he looks there and he's like, so what were you doing on this date at one thirty in the morning? And then he just raised his eyes. He's like, hmm? mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, that would be that. <laughs> he's like, you know, you're, it's going to be fine. Everything. He said, but if, you know, don't let it worry you. If you feel your heart race like that and you know, your pacemakers kicking in, it's doing what it should do. You're fine. But it was funny. He's like, do you know, we time? like, do you know, I can see the date and the time? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I do. So <laughs> he's like, I can explain like the five, six o'clock. I figured you were on a run, but one thirty in the morning, I know what you were doing. So yeah, unless you're running from the law. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's those, it's, it's all a part of the adventure and, you know, um, turns out even with, you know, you don't do it against doctor's advice, but the best way to increase that muscle and how your heart works is to actually use it. So um, it's a good thing to have it get up there a little bit. Absolutely. 
Oh, well, this has been such a lovely conversation today. I mean, I feel like there's a million other things that we could talk about. So maybe we'll just have to be back on the show. I would love it. And we just need to go, you know, be IRL friends and go get coffee soon. Exactly. Exactly. I know that's the thing. I'm going to make it really awkward. I'm going to want to hold your hand and I'm going to want to like, and let's not talk about this because I think the conversation with you and I think the brilliance of what you bring to your podcast and to your guests is the easy intelligence that underlies the, the, just the authenticity of what you bring in a subject that people have a hard time talking about it and in so doing and just being you and I call this out because sometimes when people are just themselves they don't realize the level of badassery badassery they bring to the world so the fact even as an example of your parents coming to you this hopefully will positively impact lives in ways that open up worlds to people regardless of their age and um and I think that's a beautiful thing so thanks that's me fangirling on you as well. thank you so much you made me blush I appreciate that so much <laughs> so thank you thank you for having me and I come back whenever you'd like oh I love that well let's do your tarot reading real quick love so, it uh, I've already shuffled it for you but let me you know just kind of like set a little intention here for you before I sounds good cut it okay so let's go with your hair. Hmm. Oh, okay. So I'm going to hold it up for you to describe. You got the eight of air. Eight of air. Tell us what you see. Okay. So it's a woman in a fabulous dress. Um, it looks like she's running. It doesn't look like she's scared, but there are things, there are crows around her. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of dodging something. And it looks like there's a figure behind her. So yeah. I wouldn't say so much scared, but concerned on her face. Mm-hmm. Almost. I, it looks a little like, like a little shock perhaps, yeah. but yeah, she is. There's ravens flying out. She's kicking up leaves and, oh, there's like a, a Puritan, like a Quaker back here. You see that? Oh, I missed the Quaker. I just got that. Okay. Yeah, this her- is going to be good because this, hmm. All right. Don't hold back. Don't hold back, sister. Okay. So let's see here. I don't claim to be any expert on uh, tarot. I'm still learning. So I've got my little guide here. And you got the eight of air and the air suit is about seduction. It corresponds to the suit of swords, which is about the sense of smell and the sphere of dialectics in the mind. Air governs intelligence and the, and what is rational. It also controls the game of seduction and courtship. Hmm. So the eight, it's about traps, bad news, obstacles to which one reacts. It's about Jupiter and Gemini and the need to develop oneself mentally and communicatively. Love that. That's that's my journey right now, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Everyone, every time I draw a card, people are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That hits home. Never fails. It's just, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that's the thing. We're always using our voice. Everything we just spent the time talking about. Figure even I've been going through a little silence and, and being quiet in certain situations. And so that's part of the evolution. When you find yourself that way, use your voice, right? Mm-hmm. Overcome the obstacles. Use your voice. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that you are out there and you are helping people find their voices, find healing, find resources that they can recover, even if they're still in harm's way at the moment. Yep. 
I love the name of your organization. It really is. It's, I think, a beautiful message to be. Sometimes you just have to be at a point where you are safe, mm-hmm. even though you're in harm's way. Yeah. You find the ways to start sort of removing yourself, protecting yourself, keeping yourself safe so that you can leave. Because I think that's, and we didn't get to touch on that, but that's ultimately, I think, what stops so many people from leaving is what the numbers show us about how unsafe it is often in that short time frame after people leave. Right. Yeah, statistically, I mean, you're more, more, a woman is more likely to be killed in the first three months of leaving mm-hmm. um, and increases about by 75%. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad that there's organizations like you out there that can help people start building up that safety net before they leave. Exactly. To help decrease exactly. the chances of that. Yeah. So, so yeah. thank you for your work and I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on again today. I just, I loved every minute of it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know that my children will be listening because again, I'll be talking about my sex life, yeah. but you know, they'll know it's here. They can sneak a peek and that let me know, which yeah. is usually what they do. <laughs> oh, before I let you go, one last thing, please let the people know how they can get hold of you. Sure, sure, sure. So you can go to Carolyn Markle, M-A-R-K-E-L Hammond.com. That's my own um, author website. I have a couple books coming out and and there are resources within that book that talk about sexual trauma and, and how to get over that. And um, info at safeandharmsway.com gets uh, you directly to me on email. And then we have, you know, Safe and Harm's Way is everywhere. We're an international organization. So uh, we are online at safeandharmsway.org, but we're also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram uh, so that you can find the resources you need. Uh, so that you can create the life that you're worthy of living and that you deserve. Beautiful. Well, thank you again for sharing a little bit about your journey and your organization's mission. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.